0: A gospel lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon today. It comes from Luke chapter 20. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless the second, and then the third married her, and in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come, and in the resurrection from the dead, will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. It's so good to see you all. Thanks for coming up. Today, we're going to talk about what it's like for people in this world to think about heaven. Now, in the sermon, we're going to talk about how heaven is hard for us to understand because in this world, people die, but in heaven, people won't die. And that's really hard for us to imagine what it's going to be like to live a life where there is no death. But to get us started, I wanted to to talk about something that our second reading talked about. We live in a world where there's always darkness every day. And God tells us that in heaven there will never be darkness, ever. Now we're coming upon a time of year where we have a lot more night than day. Did you guys know that? The the nights are getting longer and the days are getting shorter. We never quite get to two-thirds, but we get really close that means that about 16 hours a day around Christmas time is dark. And only eight is light. Now in the summertime, it's the opposite. In the summertime, it's light for almost 16 hours. Not quite, but almost 16 hours a day. And it's only night for eight hours. But every day of the year, whether it's long or short, there's always night. The sun always goes down. Mom and dad always say, time for bed, and then you're disappointed because you think you're going to miss out on something fun. In this world, there's dark, scary woods and dark, scary roads and dark, scary closets. But in heaven, there won't ever be dark anything. Can you even wrap your mind around that? There will never be a dark place. There will never be a dark Time There will never be bedtime, because you're never going to go to sleep. That's hard for us to understand, because here in this world, all we know is light during the day, darkness at night. But God wants us to think about it. He wants us to think about what it would it be like if it never got dark? What would it be like if you never got tired? What would it be like if you never got scared? What would it be like if you never got bored? What would it be like if you didn't even need a light bulb like we have in here or the sun to shine because we were with God and he is light always? Today, Jesus is going to help us consider just how good heaven is. Heaven is so good that while we wait for it here, we can be content. That means happy with what we have. And it's so certain that we're going to be with Jesus that we can be confident every day of our life that we really are going to be in heaven one day. We can be certain because Jesus has taken care of all of our salvation. He has completely saved us with his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Let's ask God to help make us more content and more certain. Heavenly Father, your promises are true. Help us to listen to your word where you tell us just how good heaven is, so that we will be content here while we wait. And where you tell us just how certain heaven is thanks to the work of your son, Jesus. Help us to be more and more content. Help us to be more and more confident that we will be with you forever in a wonderful place called heaven. We pray these things in our risen Savior, Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. So in the portion of God's word that we're looking at from Luke chapter 20 today, we hear about this group of Jewish teachers called Sadducees, and it's interesting to note that this is the only spot in Luke's gospel where they come up. And it's, it's not so much that they were insignificant people. I mean, Jesus shows that they matter by interacting with them here. But what they taught was just not all that significant. What they taught was not as much of a threat to Jesus' disciples as what other groups like the Pharisees taught. And so that's why you see the Pharisees get so much focus and the Sadducees get so little focus. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But for today's purposes, let's just suffice to say the Sadducees didn't believe there was anything after death. They called themselves Jewish. They believed the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were useful, but they didn't believe that there was anything after a person dies. And you might think to yourself that in the world we live in, with the news the way it is, and with the world going the direction it seems to be going, you might think to yourself, well, there's a whole lot of people who just don't care what God says anymore, and you'd be right. But if you then also concluded that must mean there's a whole lot of people who don't think there's anything after death, you'd be wrong a research organization called the Pew Research Center just a year ago in September of 2021 performed a pretty extensive survey of Americans asking them things like, what do you believe about heaven and hell? What do you believe about life after death? Are you a Christian? Yes or no? And you might find it interesting that only one-sixth, about 17% of Americans said, I don't think there's anything after death. That means 83% of Americans, even today, believe there's something after death now what they believe is after death is very very different from what you and I might believe but just the simple fact that over 80% of americans today believe there's something after death is interesting more interesting was the response of christians they asked people who claim to be christians do you think there's anything after death 8% said no 8% said we don't think there's anything after death, 92% think there is. That 8 percents your Sadducees. They thought the Bible mattered, but it said nothing about the afterlife. And I suppose if we were confronted with a supposed Christian who didn't believe in there being anything after death, we might kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, I don't really know what to say to you. I mean, why is this matter to you at all? Like, why are you a Christian if you don't think there's anything after death? Jesus' interaction with the Sadducees is, is very telling. He doesn't really address their foolish question, it's as ignorant as ignorant could be. Their argument is just plain terrible. They're using a framework of death and trying to apply it to a framework where there is no death. They're conflating two things that have nothing to do with each other. It's the height of ignorance. And so Jesus basically says to them, do you guys remember when Moses was in front of the burning bush and God was sending him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you remember what God said to them? Moses was concerned. All right, Lord, I'm going to go tell these people that I'm here to lead them out of slavery. If they ask me who sent them, what should I say? And God said, tell them I am has sent them to you. I am who I am. Tell them the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And Jesus basically says, the problem with you Sadducees is that you claim to listen to the word of God, but you actually don't. God did not say he was the God of Abraham. He was the God of Isaac. He was the God of Jacob. He said he is. And those three men had been dead for over 400 years. And yet he said he still is their God. And to this day, he still is. Because to him, all are alive. Death is not the end. You guys don't listen to the word of God. And I suppose if we were talking to a Christian had a similar argument, we might approach it the same way. You, you're not listening to God. You're not listening to what he says. But there's something in Jesus' words to these Sadducees that's even more important. And it points out the true threat to those who do think they're Christians, to those who do think They are listening to the word of God when, in fact, they may not be. Listen again. Jesus said, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection." Marriage since the fall into sin has included these words in the vow. You know them well, right? Till death do us part, or as long as we both shall live. Marriage since the fall into sin has been till death. And then it ends. And so their question is foolish. But Jesus uses a word worthy that really jumps out at us but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come. So the people of this age are operating within a a death and darkness context, but the people who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come, for them it's a totally different ballgame. There is no death. They're children of the resurrection. It's a totally different thing. They're not going to marry and be given in marriage in in the way that you think about it. The question is, how are they considered worthy? how is a person considered worthy of taking part in that next age, of taking part in the resurrection of the dead and being called to heaven to live eternally? That same survey asked Christians, how do you think people get to heaven? You know what was the most concerning part? It wasn't the 8% who don't think there's anything after death. It was the 45% of Christians interviewed one year ago who think you can get to heaven even if you don't believe in God. And I didn't say, nor did the survey ask, even if you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior. The survey was asking a question about the existence of God. That means 45% of Americans think that even if you believe there is no God, you can still get to heaven. How would that person who doesn't believe in God be considered worthy. Well, that's the Pharisaical approach. You see, the Sadducees just downright deny that there's anything after death. But the other people, the Pharisees, the, the, the far greater threat to people like you and me who listen to the words of God is this alternate source of worthiness. That if God were a God worth his salt, He would look at even the person who does not believe he exists and he would see someone who's tried their best, who did the best with what they were given that they possibly could and surely he would be pleased enough with that and he would let them in. The question is, does that cut it? The pharisaical approach feels good The Pharisaical approach, even to to some extent, makes sense. Our sinful hearts and our sinful minds say, yeah, that, that sounds fair, that sounds reasonable, that feels right, that if a person does their best, they should be considered worthy of eternity. But the fact of the matter is, that's not what God says. Both the Sadducees and the Pharisees Don't listen to what God actually says. And so when Jesus says to the Sadducees, go back to the scriptures, what did God say? The same thing is true for those who will be considered worthy. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him might not perish. Might. Have eternal life? No. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Either this is certain or it's not. Either you can be confident or you cannot. And if you rely on what this tells you makes sense, or if you rely on what this tells you feels right, you will never be certain. There may be moments when you think you're certain. But then there will be tests that will come along when all of a sudden it won't feel as right or it won't make as much sense. Then what do you do? Where do you stand? Where is your confidence? In order for you to be content in this life, children's devotion type thoughts must be there. God must promise you a heaven that is good enough for you actually to be content here no matter what, even in the worst of moments, the moments when you are suffering in ways that you can hardly imagine for you to still be content. The promises of heaven must be so good, which they are, that you can remain content even the worst of times here. The question is, are you also confident? Are you confident that the promises of heaven are actually for you? Are you confident that you will actually be with God forever in heaven? Or do you wonder? <clears throat> Those 45% of Americans who confess with their mouth, you can get there in other ways. They will never have confidence. They will be scared out of their minds as they face death. The only source of certainty are the promises of God which say it has nothing to do with you. Because if your salvation and mine had even the smallest bit to do with us, 0.00001%, we would always wonder how we were going to figure out a way to mess it up. And God knows we would figure out a way to do just that. We would surely mess it up. We would never have confidence of heaven. We would never have certainty of heaven. But because salvation is 100% what this teacher has done for you, you have certainty that people who rely on themselves will never have. Jesus on the cross endured the hell that you and I deserve, and then he said, it is finished, and he meant it. The work to save you and me is done. Battles may rage around God's church yet today, and God promises us that they will continue to rage around his church until the last day, but the victory is won Jesus has defeated sin. He has defeated death with his resurrection from the dead and he has defeated the devil once and for all. This is your source of certainty. And so today I want you to go home content and confident. I want you to go home remembering that no matter what happens in this life. God's promises to you are good enough. Heaven is good enough that you can remain content while you wait. And God's promises are certain enough. Your salvation in Christ is certain enough that you can be 100% confident every moment of every, every day, no matter what this tells you, no matter what this says, no matter what lies the devil whispers in your heart, you can be absolutely confident that heaven is yours. So go home this week, every moment of every day, content and confident. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith in the triune God who has completed our salvation, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today we use the words of the Nicene Creed. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Christian, and apostolic church.